lot of people think that the problem today is, is simply uh, food, water, poverty, but it's really hopelessness. As followers of Jesus Christ, uh, we ask a very important question. What is it that Jesus wants done? In partnership with people all over the world, what we're endeavoring to do is to transfer hope. When disasters strike, it is an amazing moment for the local church. When other people are fleeing, other people are leaving, the local church is running to a disaster, running right into the middle of it. We want that community to look at the local church and say, when our community was hit hard, that church stepped up. And in the name of Jesus, they responded. They helped people. When people hear about children's feeding programs, immediately they think about just filling the stomachs of children and keeping them alive. And there's truth in that. But it actually goes beyond that. It's really about the safety of that child, because if that child grows up, and that child is either in the streets begging, or that child is on a garbage heap scavenging for food, that child is not educated. If that child becomes vulnerable to those who will prey upon those who are weak. We don't want to raise up a generation of weak children. We want to raise up a generation of strong children who can change their communities and change their countries. Some years ago, I went to a, a village in Haiti, and um, it was barren. I, I mean, it was just all brown. There was nothing there. We had a gentleman from Washington State University, uh, Dr. Dirt, Jason Sturble, that wrote a letter. And he said in that letter that he wanted to help communities come to life by helping them grow crops. And uh, so he joined our team. Uh, a few years later, when I went back to that same village, that same countryside, it was just full of life. It was lush. And that's what we've seen through Convoy of Hope all over the world. It's not just growing food so that people aren't hungry. It goes beyond that. It gives life to the entire community. When you think about 1.3 billion people living in poverty, and 70% of them are women, if we can empower the women, um, uh, statistics show that they're going to be more inclined to meet the needs of their family and to raise up the level, uh, the living conditions of their entire community. The thing that keeps me awake at night is uh, the thought of all the children and the women that are on our waiting list. We just haven't had the resources to bring them into the program. And uh, yeah, that breaks my heart. Every day, every 24 hours, 16,000 children die from hunger and water-related causes every single day. That's a daily disaster. And that's what we're trying to respond to, to make sure that that number just is whittled down year after year, 16, down to 12, down to 10, down to five, down to one, and then a big zero. Good morning, Life Church. Come on, let's give it up for the kids that are being fed because of you guys. Yeah. Why did it get quieter right, right there? <laughs> I'm like, no. Man, it is awesome to be here. Yeah. You know what's cool? When we drove up onto the premises here, we were like, man, it's good to be home. So it's really, really good to be home today. So thank you guys for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. The boys are so pumped uh, to be here. We've had... Uh, quite the adventure so far the past year and a half, almost two years now. We've been 
learning French and moving to a new country and all of that. And I hear there is like word on the street is that this Southern, this Southern guy here needs to speak a little French for you guys this morning. Is that okay? Like you guys want to hear him speak some French? It's not okay. Come on, you guys want to hear him speak some French? Like, let's play a little bit. Yeah. They want to hear you speak French. J'ai vu un pain au chocolat et café avec sucre. That's it. That's all. That's all I have. Yes. J'ai vu Dre. The other day I was at the boys' school and I was answering the phone and I was talking to a lady on the phone and I kept explaining to her that I don't speak a lot of French, so go slow. You know, I'm trying to do this and she just keeps going in French really fast. And uh, I went to the teacher afterwards and I'm like, uh, this particular student. I believe their grandfather is going to pick them up either five minutes before or he'll be 30 minutes late. I'm not quite sure which one. Uh, and she just looked at me like, and I was like, I'm sorry, I did the best I could. So y'all still pray for us. We're still, we're still learning French a little bit. Uh, but the boys are doing good. They are um, back in services. It would be like torture to pull them out to come and talk to you guys on stage. They are loving their time um, back here. The moment we got on the plane, are we at Life Church yet? Got in the car? Are we, are we going to Life Church? Yes, baby. We are. We will get to Life Church. London was so pumped to be back and to see, and Ezra was too. And so we have a, a quick video for you, a greeting in a more controlled environment um, where maybe we as the parents don't get as embarrassed um, by what they would say up here. Um, but a little fair warning. Uh, Ezra has grown and is talking and is quite the character uh, the other day. To say the least. Yeah, just a little bit. And so the other day we were, they were prepping to go to school and I'm like, buddy, you know, like, are you excited? You know, what are you going to say? And, and I am quoting him when I say, he says to me, I'm going to say to the ladies, let's cut to the chase. Me, you, dinner, ka-chow. Straight out of cars too, Straight like word for like word. Word for word, the kid is for real. And so... You will, uh, you'll see a quick video from them, and Ezra will say that he is speaking French, but uh, it is not. Um, it is just syllables. And so we are working on, he does that at the park with kids, and it's embarrassing, but I'm just like, whatever, kid. Uh, so, but you'll see him on there, and he will say he said something in French, and he did not. So um, you'll know what I mean when you watch the video. So just here's a quick greeting from the boys. Alright guys, what is your favorite French phrase? Bonnie at What is that? It means how bunnies like carrots. Oh, okay. What about you, London? Um, come on to the cafe. Oh, okay. What does that mean? What are you doing? Oh, yeah. That's a fun one. Um, London, can you tell me what do you miss most about Life Church? When we did games and every time we lose, they play the song called Raining Tacos. Oh, okay. I wonder if they still play that. What about you, buddy? Ezra, what do you miss about Life Church? Uh, that, um, London had this spray on his face. Oh, okay. That sounds good. What, what would you want to say to all the people at Life Church if you could say one thing? I asked you. I was going to say how we have this beautiful house and we have everybody else that loves us. Oh, okay. So you feel loved and all of that good stuff, yeah? And enjoying. And you're enjoying it. That's awesome. All right, can you wave? And say we love you. Love you.
Man, again, it is really, really good to be home. It's great to be here. Um, I just want to, first of all, thank you, uh, Pastor and Miss Tame and your family. Thank you guys so much for having us. It really is an honor. When we came, we were like, man, we are home. So it's good to spend time with you guys, good to hang out. And, uh, man, we are so glad to be here. You know, our adventure started about a year ago. You guys were the biggest part of helping send us out uh, to work with Convoy of Hope. We moved to France, and we began learning French. I do say began learning French. Uh, but we started that journey and started working with Convoy. And Convoy today... We have the opportunity to be a part of something called One Day to Feed the World, and I know that you guys have heard about it. Some of you may not have, but it's an opportunity to be a part of something that is incredible, that is reaching all the way around the world. There's 177,000 children that are being fed nutritious meals because of this. There are women all over the world that are being empowered to help their family be sustained and to help them move forward in a great way. And then also, it's not just feeding and that, it's also agriculture and teaching these people who are going through these feeding programs how to grow healthy food themselves for sustainability. And the beautiful part of it is everything, everything that we do at the core of it, it connects to the local church because the local church is the hope of the world. And so all that we do is connecting these families, these children, these women, everyone to the local church to say there is hope for you. So I'm so excited for this opportunity that we have today. You know, numbers can be really big, and we think 177,000 is a lot. But today I just want to share with you the story of one. I want to share with you a story of a family that I met in Dunkirk, France. And many of you have probably seen the movie Dunkirk. It's the same place. It's where refugees are right now gathering right at the English Channel below England. They're trying to make their way into England for an opportunity for jobs. And so there's a gathering of refugees there, and there's actually a feeding program that takes place that the offering that you take up today will go to to help feed some of these people who are in a broken state and need hope delivered in the form of a meal. And I met a guy and his family. His name was Omar. And Omar, is he was a barber in Iran. And I just began to hear some of his story and talk to him and get to know him. And he said that he was a barber and his family was living a pretty normal life until his barber shop was bombed one day. And then there was a threat that his house was going to be bombed. So literally that day he had to pack up everything. He's got two boys, the ages of two and four. He had to pack everything up and take a journey, which led him to Dunkirk and, and led our paths to cross that day. But the beautiful thing is that we were able to provide a meal. And I know that that doesn't sound like much, but to be there and to give hope and to share Jesus in the form of a meal was a beautiful thing for them that day because that day they were seen by people who said, we value you, we care about you in such a real way. So today, one day to feed the world, your one day affects Omar's every day. And so I'm excited for this opportunity to be a part of it. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna jump into some scripture. Isaiah chapter 58, and if you don't, we're going to have the words on the screen as well for you to follow along. Starting with verse 6, it said, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide shelter or provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. 
Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you, I, I love verse 10, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. Let's read that one more time. Verse 10, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for uh, this service, God. I thank you for opportunities like this, just to share what is happening around the world. And God, I thank you that we have an opportunity today to be something much bigger than ourselves. God, I pray for open hearts. God, I pray that you would move in a powerful way. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, I love this scripture, and I think what God is doing through this scripture is defining what generosity is. He's taking a moment to say, you know, if you spend yourselves on the hungry, if you give, if you give food to the hungry, if you clothe the naked, if you do these things, if you are generous, then the light will break forth like noonday. In the message version, it says that the lights will come on. Think about that. When we are generous, when we take the time to be generous, the lights come on in our life. You know, the definition of generosity is being kind or the fact of being full or large. Isn't that incredible? That's what generosity is. And when we are generous, the lights come on. How many know that light is a powerful thing? It illuminates. It is, it is an incredibly powerful thing. I'll never forget being in Jamaica on my honeymoon 10 years ago. We were in Jamaica. We had a, a second floor balcony, ocean front. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. And we had this sliding door that was amazing. We would just leave it open, feel the breeze. So at night, we would keep it unlocked. Nothing crazy could happen, right? Keeping your door unlocked. You're on the second floor. Um, so one night, I was dead asleep, and my wife was awakened by a noise coming from the balcony, our balcony, second floor, keep it in mind. So she's awakened by this noise, and she sees a hand come in and grab the door and begin to slide the door open. I'm asleep, and she, she doesn't wake me up. She just keep, just stay asleep. And all of a sudden, the door continues to slide open, and a figure comes into the room, comes into the room and begins to walk towards us. She doesn't wake me up. Like, I'm a new husband, man. I want to be the protector. She doesn't wake me up. The only thing I can think in my mind that's going through her mind is I'm completely fulfilled in life. I can die and go to heaven right now. Like, God is so good. Thank you. I'm like, what is it? Wake me up, please. I'm dead asleep. And this figure is getting closer and closer to the bed. Thank God he passes the bed. Story would have been much. But he passes the bed, and he goes over, and he turns the lights on. And he realizes he is in the wrong room. <laughs> Praise God. I don't know if he lost his key. I don't know. It was an all-inclusive. So who knows what could have been. But he, he came up and he was just like, what in the world? Where am I? Slams the door, runs out, and that's when I wake up. Who goes there? You know what I'm like, who is it? Who is it? So I go out the door, disheveled. I'm like, why would you not wake me up? But thank God for the illumination of light. The illumination of light. I love this scripture. Again, it shows us that generosity... And our life turns 
the lights on. The first thing today is generosity reveals purpose. Generosity reveals purpose. You know, many of you in this room have had an encounter with Jesus at some point in your life. And you've given your life to him and you said, I want to follow you, Jesus. And in that, in following Jesus, in beginning a relationship with God, what we're doing is we are becoming imitators of the God who created us. And one of the, one of the main things about God is that he is a generous God. Our God is a giver. That is one of the main attributes of who God is. He is a giver. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he, he gave that's who our God is. And so when we begin to step into generosity, we begin to step into who we really are. We begin to imitate a loving God who is generous in the first place and longs for us to be like him. You know, one of the things that makes me most proud of my kids is when they imitate me in a good way. <laughs> or other times, oh, no, 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 uh-uh. But the times when Maybe they do something generous because we talk about that's one of our family values is generosity. When they say, I gave a kind word today at school or I did this, it makes me so incredibly proud as a father because they're imitating a good attribute. How much more is our father in heaven so incredibly proud of us when we step out into generosity, something that is already within us because we are created like him, but stepping out into that. It makes God so incredibly proud because that is a part of who we are. That's a part of who we are. You know, we, we've been on staff here. Um, we were on staff here for almost seven years. And what was brilliant for us is to be able to see people live out what generosity looks like. Live it out. You know, there were so many times that we have asked you guys to give for missions and do all of that. And you know what's incredible is every single time I'm, on the, I'm behind the scenes in that and I see the things. And you have a senior leader that these guys sacrifice and they do over and beyond every single time there's an opportunity. And I think that is why this church is so generous. I can talk about stories all day long of people that are in this room. I can talk about stories like the Mankeys who changed the business model just to begin more. Stories like Chad and Heather Miller who continually sacrifice and give and say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. When we step into that, the lights come on. Purpose is revealed in such a powerful way to say there is more to life. And it gives you a feeling of being part of something much bigger and who we are, something on a grand scale that we as just one person on this earth out of seven billion have the opportunity to be a part of. That's what God shows us and gives a part. And you know, I, I think that these people who I've mentioned and many more who I could mention would say that generosity is a journey that can only be enjoyed with practice. Generosity is a journey that can only be enjoyed with practice. And I think this is the very practical side of it because when you practice something, you take a step into it. It's very simple. You practice. And when you practice, sometimes it's not as pretty as you would imagine, but you practice and you get out and you try. And I think God, to participate in the joy of what being generous is, sometimes just wants us to step out and say, I, some of you in here may have never given financially before for something, but to just step out and say, let me just try this. I promise you what God will do in your life will completely change your idea and, about the purpose that God has in your life. It's us stepping in to imitating God 
and who he is. You know, generosity also begins with seizing an opportunity. It begins with us seizing an opportunity. You know, Convoy of Hope has a special thing to where we're able to meet people in their darkest moments. We're able to meet them in tragedy. Even right now, people from Convoy are boots on the ground in the Carolinas meeting people who have lost their homes and lost family members. We're meeting people at feeding programs who are coming and just want a meal. We're able to meet them and provide the hope. We're meeting people in some of their darkest moments and saying there is a hope here for you. We're meeting them right where they are and showing them that Jesus has an incredible plan for them and hope sometimes comes in the form of a meal, comes in the form of training, whatever that looks like. But we're able to do that. You know, what's amazing is um, Omar, my friend that I told you about, when I began to get to know him, I began to hear more of his story. And I, I, I couldn't think of a darker place that someone was in when they began to share their story with me. They said that the journey for us to even get here to Dunkirk was so incredibly hard. Their mom began to tell me that as soon as we started going, we were crossing one of the borders and we heard that there were some people that were coming behind us and it was, it, it, we don't know if it was, if it was the police or what it was, but we knew that we had to just make a run for it. And so they made a run for it. And in the process, their little two-year-old grabbed the hand of someone and they begin to run. And so she gets to their destination where they were going and she finds out that her two-year-old is missing. I've, I've lost my two-year-old for about a minute and my heart sank. You know what I mean? It's, but she lost her son for over a day and they finally found him. Thank God. But I go, just the struggle of what they have been through, going through this with their family. They said that every night when they arrived in Dunkirk, every single night in the middle of the night, they get up as a family and they try to make it across the border. There's a tunnel that goes to the other side and they try to get on a truck or a vehicle or something to make it across. And he told me, he said, the other day I got on a refrigerated truck and we sat there for six and a half hours inside of this refrigerated truck only to see our oldest son pass out and then to get caught in the border to have to try this all over again. If you can put yourself in their shoes for a second, it seems like there is absolutely no hope whatsoever. But I begin to see a smile come on his face a bit as we brought them a meal and said, man, we see you. I don't know what you're going through, but we see you. We're here for families like you to show you that Jesus loves you. And his face, everything, he, he sat and we're talking in front of this tent that he had. And it was all that their family had. He had these two grocery bags with their possessions in this tent. And they're sitting there. And he said, imagine how I feel as a father right now. He said, I was a barber. I own my own business. I went through life. We were doing well. And this is what I have now. This is my family. These are my boys. This is, this is all that I have. And I have two boys myself. And I'm just in that moment going, God, why? Why does this happen? And it's like God begins to speak to our hearts and say, these things happen because the world is not a perfect place, but there are opportunities to people to step in and say that there is hope in Jesus. 
There is hope in Jesus in our darkest moments of life. And Pastor Aaron was up here earlier because I, and I feel it as well, that there's some people in here going through some things, but you have to know that Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is there in the moments. And because of what we're doing today, we're able to be boots on the ground with these people in their darkest moments to say that there is a God who deeply cares about you. It's an opportunity that we're able to seize in that moment. You know, we're going to read a scripture. It's one of my favorite stories. It's out of Luke chapter 5. It's going to be up on the screen for us. It says, one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and religion teachers were sitting around. They had come from nearly every village in Galilee and Judea, even as far away as Jerusalem to be there. And the healing power of God was on him. Some men arrived carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher. They were looking for a way to get, the, get into the house and set him before Jesus. When they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, removed some tiles, and let him down in the middle of everyone right in front of Jesus. He now spoke directly to the paraplegic and said, Get up, take your bedroll, and go home. Without a moment's hesitation, he did it, got up, took his blanket, and left for home, giving glory to God all the way. I love how this story started out with one day, one day, some men decided to do something miraculous. God sometimes brings opportunities our way to be able to step forward in and see what he does in a miraculous way. You know, sometimes in the Bible, between the period and the next sentence could be years sometimes. In this case, it was just a, a moment in the day, and I'd love to just use some imagination with what could have happened in that story with this paraplegic from the moment of these some men seeing him and deciding to take him to Jesus. You know, I imagine this, this guy struggling. He's in a marketplace, no hope whatsoever, and this guy sees him that's running a shop in the marketplace. And he decides to close down shop for one day because he knows that there is a healer in town. And he knows that maybe, just maybe, this man who is a paraplegic can get some hope and healing from this Jesus. And he goes over and he says, hey, I, I don't know if this makes sense, but I actually have a stretcher here. And I, would you be willing to go to Jesus and see if he can heal you. And this man, out of a desperation, out of no, going, I, I, I never saw any type of hope coming, says, absolutely, whatever it takes, if there is a way I can be healed, please. So he places him on the stretcher, and he said, I'm going to grab a corner, and I'm going to help carry you to Jesus, because that's the opportunity at hand. Chad Miller, can you come up here and just help me out with this? Is Chad in here? Come on, man. Come up, come up here and help me with this. And I imagine in the story that this worker, he's going, we're going to find some other people to carry the other corners too because we need some other people to participate. If you could just grab this corner I've got. So we need some more people to participate because this can't just take one person. It's got to take a team of people to jump in. And as he's standing there, he's grabbing the corner, he sees someone else, and he says, hey, can you help me? And this person says, absolutely, what do you need help with? They said, there's a healer in town. Jesus is over here, and this man has an opportunity to be helped. And she said, Jesus, I was healed by Jesus last year. 
I would love to take a corner for this man because I know what he can do. Absolutely. So he grabs one of the corners. Scott Mankey, can you come up here? Just grab this corner here. And they say, man, we just, we need some more. We need some more people to just come and jump in and to grab a corner because here's the thing. God can do a miracle in this man's life. He can do something miraculous in his life. Matt, can you come up here and just grab one of the corners as well? They said, man, who else will help us out because this man can be brought to healing. And I can imagine someone just being a complete passerby, having nothing to do with the situation, just wanting to go to the store. And they said, hey, can you help us out? We're about to go see a healer. John Ganeer, can you come and, and just grab this last corner over here? You know, this stretcher, this morning, it represents the food that is feeding 177,000 children every single week. It's just, a, it's, it's just something that opens the door. It's something that carries people into the presence of Jesus. And it's just important because the gospel we believe in is a holistic gospel. We want to take care of people's every need. But this is a means to say that there's 177,000 children on this stretcher. Omar, his wife and two children are on this stretcher this morning saying, please, someone help. If only we could just grab a corner. And I want to tell every single person in this place that there are enough corners for every one of us in this place. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what your thoughts are. There is a healing God that needs for us to participate in opportunities like we have today. God is a good God. You know, Omar's story is not over. The second time that I met him, I had an opportunity to get to know him a little bit better in his story. And I said, Omar, is there any way that, that I can pray with you? Because we believe in Jesus and we believe that, that he is the hope of the world. Is there any way I can pray with you? And he said, well, my son has been struggling with breathing every single morning that he wakes up. He's really having a tough time. And obviously, we don't have any means to get him help right now. We're just trying to make it into England for an opportunity. And I said, can I pray with him? He said, absolutely. Again, in a moment of desperation, yes, please pray for my son. So we prayed for him right then and there. And we prayed that Jesus would completely heal him. We prayed, we prayed a bold prayer, going, God, this is on you now. And a couple of weeks later, I kept in touch. And I went back to the refugee camp. And I met back up with Omar, and I said, Omar, how is your boy doing? And as I looked in his face, it's almost like his son was on the stretcher, and they were ripping the tiles off of the roof, and he was being lowered down to Jesus because he said, every morning he's been breathing just fine. I don't know what to tell you, but he, he is breathing just fine. Can you pray for us for our journey to England? Because obviously your prayers work. That's the God that we serve. Thank you, guys. You can set this back down. That is the God that we serve. He is a miracle-working God. And the crazy thing is, he wants for every single one of you to be a part of this miracle. It takes a team of people to say, you know what? I am brave enough to close shop for a day and grab a corner because there are people that need me to participate. Yeah, you know, I described 
the definition of generosity in the beginning, but the root word for generous actually means of noble birth. Isn't that beautiful? The fact that a generous God would show us and turn the lights on in our lives, showing us that this has been a part of who you are all along. When you come in a relationship with me, you are a son and a daughter of God. And when you are generous, you are imitating who God is in your life. That's when the lights come on. And that's when we see the fact that we have an opportunity this morning for one day to affect Omar's every day, for one day to affect the 177,000, for one day to affect the mom in Ethiopia who is longing for someone to come along her side. The one day we have an opportunity to affect their every day. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for who you are. God, I thank you for the opportunities that you put in our place. And God, I thank you that you give us a chance, each and every one of us, no one missing in this place. We have the chance to be a part of something greater than ourselves. We have the part this morning to participate in something that is literally going to affect the world. God, I thank you. I thank you that we, we are just the hands extended, boots on the ground, but we couldn't do it without the participation of the people here. God, I thank you for a generous church, God, who is already known around the world for their generosity. I thank you for that, God. And God, I thank you for the challenge for more until every single person has been carried into your presence. Jesus, we thank you. Amen.